Howdy, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of TGC Midweek. Jacob and Michael back with you again on the pod. And Michael, I've got to say, it's good to be back not only at the proverbial folding card table, but also at the literal folding card table with you. Here we are together face to face once again. Once again, the world is slowly returning <laughs> back to normal. Um, and it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's nice to, it to get out of the house a little bit and, and uh, record a pod. So anything... Uh, new or exciting going on with you guys as as you're starting to return to somewhat normal life? You know, the kids finished up school and that, that's a big deal, although it was a, a weird ending because they had not been in school yeah. for weeks. Very anticlimactic. Anticlimactic, sure. yeah. And they missed saying bye to their friends, but yeah. they are officially done. It's summer. Nice. Yep. Nice. Are the schools going to start uh, normally? Uh, We're talking about it, and yeah. I think that uh, a lot of them are making decisions towards the end of June. So okay. they said they said hang tight and stay tuned. Yeah, but I think they're they're trying their hardest to do that. Sure. And so, yeah. Well, good stuff. Uh, launching into the topic today, we're continuing our series on spiritual disciplines today, talking about worship. Now, this can, I guess, sort of be a loaded term. I, there's several things that come to my mind mm-hmm. when when uh, you talk about worship. So uh, let's just lay it out there. What do we mean when we talk about worship? Yeah, when we look at uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the first question asks, what is the chief end of man? And the question uh, is answered by saying the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so there's a sense where you can say worship is all of life. Um, you and I are called to worship God and how we speak to each other and how we uh engage in our vocations and how we engage in family life um, and uh, in our community. Um, and there's also an aspect of worship where we talk about uh, us gathering together for corporate worship on Sunday mornings. And so uh, we'll talk about that for a little bit uh, tonight, probably. Um, there's an aspect of private worship um, where you engage in the spiritual disciplines like scripture reading and prayer um, and maybe even singing to the Lord uh, yourself individually where you're worshiping him intentionally, privately. And so you could make the argument that worship is all of life. Mm. Um, we're always worshiping uh, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, you never are not worshiping. The question is, what are you worshiping? Yeah. Um, and so uh, you can be more in tune with what you're worshiping uh, given certain um, you know, seasons of life and seasons of your day. Uh, but I think you could make the argument that our affections and our attention is always attracted to something. Sure. And you could, I guess, classify that in a loose sense as worship. Yeah. You said something I think is so critical, which is that um, we're basically always worshiping. Um, I think that's a very interesting point because, you know, I, I grew up with, with um, you know, a lot of the context that I was in almost use worship as like a synonym for music mm-hmm. where even even within a given church service, there was like worship yep. and then there was the sermon. Yes. And then there was communion. But that was worship was like. The guy playing guitar or something. The songs. So that is like, this is a pet peeve of mine when people talk about worship as though it were just music. Like, mm-hmm. you know, worship can be uh, everything, you know, and, sure. and, and within the context of what we've been talking about the last few weeks, it's it's certainly the umbrella um, under which the rest of the spiritual do- disciplines sit. I engage in worship by engaging in each of these other spiritual disciplines, but also mm-hmm. in the mundane things. I engage in worship in um, I don't know, walking my dog or sure. something. 
Yep. And it, uh, I think language is important because I'm with you, Jacob. When I hear of worship in church, normally we're talking just about when we're singing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to delineate we are worshiping through song. Yeah. And we're worshiping through how we hear God's word preached. We're worshiping by coming and celebrating at the table, communion. And so worship is not just the music. It's it's everything that we do on Sunday plus everything we do in life. Sure. So we talked about it being, um, you know, there, there's this private everyday aspect of it. But I think really what we want to talk about today is, um, I don't know, formal worship, yep. uh, corporate worship. Mm-hmm. We're talking about what we do when we meet on Sunday mornings. So yes. as we're kind of zooming in here now, um, how should we think about that act of worship? And as we go into Sunday morning worship, what should our goal be? Yeah. Uh, well, Sunday morning worship, I view it as the front door of our church. And you could make the argument that it is what God's people were created to do on a daily basis. And once a week, we have the opportunity to come together as God's people in order to join our voices uh, uh, to to praise God for what He's done in our lives, um, to remember what He's done. That's a very important aspect of what we're doing when we're worshiping. You see the word remember over and over again in the Bible. It's what God's people are called to do, to remember the works of the Lord. And that's definitely an aspect of what we're up to when we're worshiping on Sundays. It's important to come together to worship because I need to hear you and you need to hear me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's a, an aspect of us uh, building one another up as we worship together. When I'm weak, you can be strong for me and vice versa. Um, when I've had a hard week, I need to hear other people actually believe this too. Um, and sometimes uh, they can even believe, they can't believe for me, but they can help me along and spur me along in belief. Um, and so when we come together uh, to to worship um, weekly, I think about it in terms of us praising God for what He's done, magnifying and glorifying His name, um, but then also we are coming to be shaped and formed by engaging in worship, by engaging what we're called uh, to do, what we are made to do. And I think about it in terms of you know, throughout the week, we are engaged in a, a bunch of different liturgies, voices that are speaking into our lives, trying to tell us what's important, trying to tell us who we're supposed to be, trying to tell us what we should be pursuing in this world. And we get a chance to come back on Sunday mornings and recalibrate our hearts to the true story of the world. Now, you can make the argument once a week. It's it's really difficult because for six days out of the week, if we're not engaged in private worship, in some ways we are swimming way upstream, you know, against the current uh, for just a, a one day a week service. And so I think that's why uh, private worship is so important as well to remind yourself of what's true throughout the week. Um, but there's a sense where we come to be shaped and formed by the true story. So let's unpack that a little bit. What do you? That, that sounds very um, pastory. Shaped and formed. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, well, when we come when we come on Sunday morning, you'll notice that our liturgy uh, stays the same, and in some ways, that can be, I guess, boring for some folks. Uh, we're going through the same liturgy, um, but I think it's important because we're coming and we're rehearsing the gospel. Um, and if you think about our liturgy, um, it starts by God calling us. He always makes the first move towards us, uh, and then we move into praise and worship. And then once we come into God's presence, we recognize. 
recognize that we're sinful beings and we can't stand before a holy God. So that leads us Mm -hmm. to confession of sin. And then once we confess our sin, we're assured of our pardon and forgiveness in Christ. And we continue to worship through song and, um, and think about what Jesus has done for us. And then it moves into um, the preaching of the word. And this is where I think about folks a lot of times thinking they get to take a break for 25 or 30 (laughs) minutes. And I've been thinking recently about the fact that it's not just the pastor at work for 25 or 30 minutes. There's actually a way that we worship the Lord through our listening to his word. And so that's an important aspect of what we're doing. And, um, and, Obviously, at Trinity Grace, we do communion once a week um, where we celebrate uh, that sacrament of what uh, remembering what Jesus has done for us. And then we're sent out with the Lord's blessing to go and, and scatter back out into the city. Um, since we've gathered and been equipped, we're called to scatter and go and love and serve our friends and neighbors and coworkers. And the thing that we're doing, we're shaping and forming ourselves. I always think about what would my life look like if I were missing this? And I think that's always a great way to think about worship is is how impoverished would my soul be if I didn't get a chance to weekly congregate and corporately worship with God's people? Mm-hmm. And beyond that, what would happen if we withdrew one of those elements of our liturgy from Sunday morning and how that would impoverish our souls? Not to hear you confess your faith next to me, what we believe together, or not to have the minister up front leading us in a confession of sin. What would we be losing if we didn't do that. And so this whole idea of shaping and forming can sound really ambiguous, um, but I think it's worthwhile noting we're shaped and formed by a lot of different things and we don't realize it. It's happening in the background. And, um, and I think when you start considering what would, what would it look like if worship were taken from me, it, it starts to bring into starker contrast how much worship actually does shape and form us. It's an anchor in our week. Mm-hmm. No matter if you had a good week, a bad week, um, you've had bad news or good news, um, you know that you're coming on Sunday morning to be re-anchored. Um, and who God is, you're able to lift your voice to worship Him, sometimes worshiping even through your sadness, like we talked about this past Sunday, um, and being shaped and formed over time. I mean, this isn't a one-time thing. Yeah. And sometimes you come and you're excited to be there. Uh, other times you come and you're just going through the motions. Um, but it's the it's the weekend, week out um, worship with God's people that over time really shapes us more into Christ's image. Yeah, the um, you won't like the word I'm using here, but the drudgery of it is <laughs> is I, I think it's actually really important because um, you know I so many of the the people who influenced me when I was when I was younger gave this impression of like if you don't. Um, I don't know if you're not having fun while you're worship, mm-hmm. while you're worshiping, while you're at church. Um, it, it, if you don't like have this intense emotional experience, and if you don't really mean it, gosh darn it, then then um, it doesn't really count. Yeah. But I think there's something to be said of like, um, I don't really want to go to church. I'm tired. I had a rough week, and I got another crappy one coming. But I'm going to get up and comb my hair and go to church. Mm-hmm. Because that's just what I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. and you know, there's this there's this thing that you you sometimes encounter in evangelical circles. This slogan that it's not a religion; it's a relationship. Or, or w- w- the one I hate even more is, um, 
I'm spiritual, not religious. Mm -hmm. And I think that's horrible because it sort of, it, it robs Christianity of the beauty of the drudgery of just going week after week and hearing the gospel, even though you've heard it over and over again, but it's the greatest story ever told, but you're, you're, you're hearing it week in and week out. You're participating in the sacraments. Mm -hmm. And so frankly, I'm a lot more religious than I am spiritual. Yeah, (laughs) sure. And, and it's a great point because you're, you're putting yourself, even if you don't feel like it in a place where God has promised to be. Yeah. And I think that's a really important aspect of what's happening. And sometimes you even read it in the scriptures. I mean, I'm sure in the old Testament, for instance, when ancient Israelites brought their lamb, or their goat or their turtle doves to the temple, they didn't always feel like it. Mm, Um, There was a duty about it in a way that they were meant to approach God. And so uh, think about worship also as um, our sacrifice of praise on a weekly basis, um, where even if we don't feel like it, we still come. And so... Yeah. Let's zoom out a a little bit. One of the things I've heard you say before, I think on Sunday mornings, is about how... um, in the context of corporate Christian worship, um, heaven and earth are somehow coming together. Have, is that something I've heard you mention before? And, and what is that all about? Yeah, um, there's definitely an aspect of, and it, it, it comes into uh, play when we have the call to worship from Revelation chapter 5, for instance, mm-hmm. because there is something happening as we speak right now in the unseen realms, uh, the heavenly realms, where... Uh, those that have gone before us and are in glory now, so to speak, with Jesus are worshiping him all the time. And on Sunday mornings, we're kind of coming and joining our voices with a never-ending chorus mm-hmm. of praise and worship that God experiences at all times. And so it, it's an interesting thought um, that at Sunday at 10 o'clock, we're kind of getting on the expressway and merging in mm. to something that's already happening. And, you know, at 1115, we merge off. But it's even more interesting to think about the fact that, you know, the next time zone is merging on Mm. physically in this world. And for 24 hours across the globe that day, the church physical is lifting their voices and joining the church in heaven. Um, worshiping and praising God for what he's done. And so um, I've mentioned that before, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful picture. Uh, let's lift our voices and, and join the chorus. Sure. Is there anything in Scripture that we see about how uh, God views our worship? Because I have a hard time um, accepting the fact that God likes listening to me sing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, just off the top of my head, I don't like listening to you sing, Jacob. God's more gracious than me, so that's right. Um, actually, I never heard you sing. I always feel I bet bad you have for the voice. Of I always an angel. feel bad for the people sitting the, the row in front of me. At least you're singing. You yeah, know? that's. I always take comfort in the fact I'm not a good singer, but I'm going to sing my loudest. Yeah. Um, you know, you do get a sense. Uh, the, the few places that come to mind, just off the top of my head, are uh, when folks would sacrifice to the Lord and the Old Testament, oftentimes you get a sense that he smelled a pleasing aroma. And you could, I think, um, uh, make the argument that when God sees worship and praise coming from the hearts of his people and the mouths of his people, um, he's pleased by what he sees. You also get the sense in the Gospels that Jesus never rejected worship. He always received it and was happy to receive it. In fact, as folks were worshiping him, they were doing what they were always created to do. And so, so um, 
you know, the fact that, that, that God probably looks on our worship and smiles, even though um, it's tainted with sin and sure. motives that aren't always pure and drudgery that we feel on a Sunday morning. Um, he still uh, takes great delight in the fact that we are worshiping him for his, his works in our lives. That's right. Um, any other thoughts that you've got on, on worship before we start to wrap up for the evening? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that some folks um, experience when they come to Trinity Grace, we are not super liturgical. You can definitely go to mm. other churches that have a more robust liturgy, um, but you can go to a lot of churches and probably more churches than not where you have a lot of a, a, a lot lower liturgy. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, and so I feel like we're kind of in the middle, maybe leaning more towards high liturgy if you had to put us on that spectrum. And it's intentional. Um, and every week's the same um, because it provides us an opportunity to come and um, and really join our voices in such a way where you're not having to guess what's next. Yeah. You're not having to make believe or come up with what's next in your worship service. It's another shaping and forming aspect of the service and, and the fact that we're going to come and be shaped by the same thing over and over. It's like, it's like um, I guess, a stream that, you know, over time kind of smooths out a rock. You can think about it that way. And liturgy really provides us, it's, it's kind of like you get a bunch of people there on Sunday morning and liturgy is the harness where we all uh, are kind of like horses running together. And it keeps us together, praying the same things, singing the same things, listening to the same things. And it really encourages us, and this, I say this a lot, we are participants. Yeah. We are not consumers. And a lot of churches you go to today, especially in the American church, you know, that I've been a part of, you're going and what is this giving me? Yeah. Um, how will that sermon preach to me? Um, you might sing some songs, but that's it. You come to Trinity Grace or another liturgical church and you've got parts to play. And so there's lots of responsive readings that we do at Trinity Grace. And that's intentional because you're a participant. You're going to confess your faith. You're going to confess your sin. And I remember being uh, with an individual probably a year and a half ago, and I told him, we confess our sin every week together. And that made him very nervous. Mm. He'd never been there before. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean you confess your sin together? And it was not what he thought it was. He mm. thought, like, I'd call on Jacob and, Jacob, tell us your darkest secret from this week. Um, now, that's not what we're doing, obviously. There would be no members of Trinity Grace the <laughs> following right, week. That's right. <laughs> But we are coming together and confessing our sin using the liturgy, obviously, um, around a theme from yeah. that week. And um, and you'll notice, I, I'd love for, uh, maybe we can end with this, I'd love for folks to potentially notice on a Sunday morning the theme that's running through the, yeah. the service every Sunday. Um, sometimes it's more tightly um, together than others, uh, but it's always thoughtfully planned um, to, to kind of center around a certain theme or themes that the scripture that morning from God's word that's being preached on mm -hmm. um, kind of ties it all together. So yeah. the one thing I'll add on this liturgy point and um, it, it's why I, I really enjoy having this, you know, this drudgery of a liturgy that we go through every week is um, it gives you a reason to sing the songs that you're singing. You know, we have the call to worship and it gives you a reason to sing the following song. And then you have, 
the confession of sin and the assurance of pardon. It gives you a reason to sing that song. When you go to a church that's just three songs and a sermon and then another song, you don't really like, I know, I don't really know why I'm singing because you know, the band only knows nine songs. So we've seen, we've sung this one four times this month already. <laughs> so um, having the liturgy kind of puts you in, it puts you in the right context so that you understand what you do, what you're doing when you're singing certain things or what you're doing when you're participating in some mm-hmm. of these certain things. So sure. I, I really appreciate the high ish liturgy that we have. Yes, I do too. And um, I think just to cap it off tonight, we're talking about spiritual disciplines and this is kind of a weird one because it is corporate mm-hmm. and we're talking primarily about a corporate discipline. It's also private and we could talk about that. We won't, um, but we could talk about that for another 20 minutes if we wanted. Um, but this is, this is a discipline, uh, Sunday morning, Sabbath worship for God's people, something that shapes and forms us as, uh, as image bearers of Christ and conforms us more into his image. And if you're not engaged in it on a regular basis, um, God's not angry at you, but you are really um, not engaging in something that could be very beneficial and vital to your heart and yeah, soul. That's right. That's right. Well, that is certainly a good place to leave it for the evening. Folks, we appreciate you tuning in to another episode of TGC Midweek. If you've got questions about corporate worship or about any of the other spiritual disciplines that you've heard us talk about the last several weeks, you can always email those questions to questions at trinitygracesa.org. We'd be glad to take a stab at those on a future episode. But until next time, we'll see you later.